Good day. You are listening to the 115th edition of Free City Radio. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph, and the program today is going to be looking at a film, a beautiful film called Our Memory Belongs to Us, which was made by filmmaker Rami Farah. The film looks at these questions. How do you survive by forgetting or by remembering? This is a write-up on the film, and it continues. This eternal question is still very alive for the three Syrian activists, Yadan, Odai, and Rani. Before the war, they were respectively a law student, a lover of literature, and a volleyball champion. They left Syria, and this film revisits their experiences. They are shared with the director of the film, Rami Farah. And in the context of events in Syria, the three people featured in this film were forced to leave. In 2012, Yadan crossed the border into Jordan, carrying a hard disk containing more than 12,000 videos shot by himself and other citizen journalists in Daraa, the birthplace of the Syrian revolution. In this documentary, the old friends meet again in an empty theater in Paris after a long period of separation. They are on stage in the film and they share their experiences with the viewers, with the audience, and with the director Rami Farah, to whom Yadan entrusted his hard disk full of scenes of protest and atrocity in Syria. In this film, the director confronts the three men with their own footage projected on large screens rekindling their suppressed memories and offering these citizen journalists their say in how Syrian history is presented and how the story of the revolution is told. This film is very striking because it centers the perspectives and reflections of Syrians affected directly in the film, literally in this theater in Paris that is the center of Our Memory Belongs to Us in terms of the filming. In terms of the events that are centered, of course, the protests against structural injustice, against systemic violence, against repression that took place in Syria are the focus of the footage that is projected. This film is a very important centering of Syrian voices in relation to recent events in Syria. Often we hear perspectives about Syria from the outside, and this film challenges that framework and centers Syrian voices. Uh, It has been celebrated in numerous festivals and is being screened in Montreal as part of Regarde Syrienne, which is a series of projections that happens once a year. Uh, Contemporary Syrian cinema, it's presented by the Regarde Syrienne Collective in collaboration with the Cinémathèque Québécois. And there's a series of films presented. I'd really um, encourage you to look up their work. Um, You can find them at lesseriesvousregards.wordpress.com. And uh, I had the chance to speak with Rami about his film, Our Memory Belongs to Us. And here is our conversation. Thank you for having me. Uh, My name is Rami Farah. I'm a Syrian filmmaker. Um, actor, a dancer, and an activist. Um, I uh, 
in this film, our memory belongs to us. It's a film about the narrative, about what's happened in Syria and all the revolution, how it started. Because I think the tragedy that the Syrians are living now, it gets misleaded by the media narratives. For sure, the Syrian regime was trying to put all of this, uh, um, all of this different narrative to deny it or to cancel the narrative of the reality. In this film, Our Memory Belongs to Us, I tried to bring back on a stage three of the main activists from the birthplace of the Syrian revolution, <clears throat> who I knew them since I was in Syria. As an activist in Syria, I was trying to make training for other activists, how to use the camera to document them daily lives and what's happening with them. Those Yadan and Uday and Rani and others, Abu Nimr, Muhammad Al-Farani, they were from Dara'a. I worked with many different cities from Douma, Damascus countryside, Dara'a, Homs, many different cities. But those the groups that, th this group, I was keeping in touch with them in the last 11 years till today, um, trying to live with them, them their experience. So when Yadan fled out of Syria at the end of 2012, he entrusted me with this hard drive, which it had 12,756 videos full of those videos that they filmed at him and his friends in Dara'a. And he said, he told me that uh, you learned us how to film uh, and how to use the camera, but we just filmed our death. We couldn't deliver our voices. Could you deliver our voice? So I was uh, working with Sine Berch-Sorenson, the producer of the film, and Liana Saleh, the producer of the film, and Dima Saber, uh, the PhD, she is a researcher in Birmingham University. Later on with Gladys Juju, the editor of the film, about how to verify those videos, how we can mapping it. The first, departure moment it was for me to draw a map of Dara'a that I was never there before and to try to put back those elements to the spaces where they belong to. So all the footage that was filmed in Omari Mosque, to put it in the Omari Mosque folder, all the pictures in, in this way, I mean. Later on, I discovered that there is a timeline for each one of these locations that we can follow on and we can see what the development of the events, what's happening through this specific location. Later on, I discovered that through the questions of Sine, the producer, which it was the basic, basic questions, who are those people? Why they are doing this? So those people who they were scared from the Sine regime, because they were worried about their families, them families. Because of that, they were obligate to change them, them, their voices when they were recording and to put scarves around them, their faces, them faces, 
when they were in the frame. And so they were anonymous in the, in the, in the meaning of the word. <clears throat> um, and they were using nicknames, even they were not using their real names. So it was really hard to verify verified all of these videos, who filmed it, who is in the frame, who was commenting on the videos, and those nicknames, which we know no, no one's of them. For sure, for me, I, I know all of that details, but I was trying also as a Syrian to hide these informations because I was worried about those characters, those people and their families, their families also. Uh, later on, it was, and for sure also the other perspective that I want you to, to understand it, that's um, like to have a Canadian filmmaker coming to Syria and make a film about the Syrian or what's about the Syrian tragedy or what's happening in Syria. <clears throat> it was one layer that I was learning in the last 20 years, that we have to give back the narrative to those that they belong to it. So I don't, I didn't want to narrate their story, uh, them, their story. I want them to narrate their own story. So the point of this film, it was how to bring those who they are still alive from those characters who they lived this experience to gather them again for the first time in a theater in Paris and confront them with their own images that they filmed it for the first time on a big screen in a cinema, in a theater in Paris. So the three survivors of those group, they gathered together and they lived this experience, which it was really violent, violent on, on them, even on me for sure, to be with them on the stage and live those feelings that they were living. Uh, one of the, the fourth character in the film, his name Abu Namar Muhammad al-Masalmi, who he died 18 of January 2013, where the film is ending. Um, I was in contact also with Abu Namar, and when we started the project, he was one of those characters that I want to introduce him also and to put him in this film. But because now Abu Namar, he get killed by a sniper from the Syrian regime, so uh, he was, they, they were three plus one, who is Muhammad Masan And uh, we lived this experience together and we tried to uh, have it as a one film to keep the narrative that we knew already that the Syrian regime trying to deny it and to, to, to make a different with what's happened in Syria. Uh, even through the media, like most of the media trying to talk about Daesh or uh, Islamic uh, extremist Islamic groups. But for us as a Syrian, we knew that the Syrian regime, when he was arresting our friends, the artists and the activists, when we were asking to release them from the prison, he released out the most extremist, dangerous people who they created those militias on the ground to liberalize the Syrian revolution as an Islamic revolution or as an Islamic movement. So I wanted to get back to the first two years of the Syrian revolution to understand how it started what, uh, and how 
where it's landed now. And so because I think most of the people now think or attaching the, the Syrian revolution is an um, Islamic movement, or um, which for me as a Syrian, it was not like that. This is how Bashar al-Assad labeled it. And this is what the, the, the media, most actually, actually most of those videos who they filmed it, it was uh, uh, extreme, uh, extreme, uh, uh, streamed on, on mainstream media. But all the time, there was a voiceover of a journalist trying to put it in a, in a context that it's fit the agenda of this TV channel, whatever it is. So we thought that in this project, we are giving back the narrative to those who they live this experience and to give them the space to deliver their voices. In the sense that the multitude of voices that were part of the Syrian revolution, you mentioned the geographies of Dara, of uh, Duma. I mean, there's many locations and people might've heard these names on the news and might have even seen footage or take the, taken some time to watch reports or you know, some of the documentaries that have shown on Al Jazeera. I think, you know, everything you shared, Rami, and thank you so much for going over that. Often the reality of the ways that the revolution in Syria, the repression, the war, um, it's removed from Syrian narratives that are not framed simply as victim narratives, right? And I, I really appreciate your work to think about the ways that film can be a medium to think about resonance and experience that's beyond that very simplistic picture. And, you know, in Canada and in Montreal, there's a lot of people who were following what was happening in Syria. And there was a significant amount of support for people who were displaced from Syria. The government made a big deal about it, but it was not really the government that was supporting, it was people, you know, and they could have done a lot more, the, the Canadian government. All of this to say is how does film create the opportunity to think about a different narrative? Uh, you know, one that centers uh, activist voices and shows the complexity of what happened. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's to give back the narrative to those who they live the experience, it will put us in their shoes, uh, in their shoes, in them shoes. I have a, I have, I'm mixing between them and their, in French, it's more clear for me. <laughs> um, um, so to live the experience through the eyes, let's say, of those who they lived it there and hear them, them their narrative about what's happened there, it will, and especially in this case of this film, which is happening after 10 years of the revolution happened, it's kind of reflection to understand and to analyze and to understand again what's happened, how much naive we were, what we were thinking that the possibility that we are going through, which kind of uh, traps that the Syrian regime trying to create for us all the time, and we're denied, but we were not thinking about that because we are not 
evils as as the Syrian regime was. Uh, for sure, with the support of all those agendas from many different mainstream medias, what what's delivered to the audience all around the world, or for, for the people all around the world, it's made the people like separated on two two parts. I think even in Syria by by itself, like to, to create two parts between each family, there is a two parts uh, who support the revolution and who they are against or supporting Bashar Assad. Because it was labeled in, in many different levels, I mean. For me, my mother and my sister are based in Canada. Um, and I do thank the Canadian citizens who they create this option, opportunity to have those Syrians there, to share with them their life actually, not just their water and electricity and the gas, which is not available in Syria now, but to give them option to live and the daughters of my, uh, my sister also. Uh, so I appreciate, I appreciate all the people that they were trying to do something for the Syrian. But my question is the reason why all of the Syrians outside is still there. So the criminals outside and the crimes still going on. Are we waiting for, and it's moving now, it's moving. And the legitimacy that Bashar al-Assad having through the last 10 years, which is going to Putin now and what's happening in Ukraine. So it will give us, uh, give other dictators around the world the legitimacy to do whatever they want to do without stopping them. And we are dealing now with the results of those criminals without dealing with the criminals by themselves. By their, themselves. And this is a different kind of level that I want to rise, I think, in, in this moment. Because the crisis is still happening all around the world. And we um, now I'm working in an American film in Turkey about refugees also. So the, those people who they are dying in the sea here, trying to go to, to Greece all the time, or Mexican trying to go to the United States. I mean, like, it's, it's all over the world, it's happening. But those are resulted. It's not the reason. And I think we have to rethink again and again about the reason and to stop the reasons of that, not um, to handle a couple of victims that they are, uh, we could give them our hands to help them because the main problem is still there and it's much bigger than what we think. And it's going on. It's like the snowballs. I don't know. It's it's going bigger and bigger all the time. It will never stop. I'm 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 afraid that the Syrian who they still live in Syria, like in the first period of the Syrian revolution, people in Daraa went out and broke the statue of Hafiz Assad, the father of Bashar al-Assad. In the same days when we were filming this in Paris, this film, our our memory belongs to us. The Syrian regime put back the statues to its place in, in Dara city, the status of Hafiz Assad. So the new kids who they are going to school in nowadays, they are looking to the, in the same way that we were fearing to look to this status when we were going to our schools, when we were kids in Syria. 
So this dictatorship that they were leading our breathing in Syria, it's still there. It's still controlling our, it's labeling our, our thoughts. It's, it's, it's manipulating us. It was, it was for sure we were living in censorship, in daily censorship about what we think, about what we say, about what, uh, what we live, what we see, what we can share, what we cannot share. So this is the main problem, I think. That's the, the main problem is still there. In a way, I, I hope that when people see your film um, and engage with your work, it will provoke an understanding that there's persisting questions beyond the headlines, right? And Syria has sort of passed from international headlines at the moment. So Rami, thank you so much for taking the time to share a bit about your work. It's a pleasure for me. Thank you, Stefan, for having me. appreciate That was a conversation with filmmaker Rami Farah about his film, Our Memory Belongs to Us. It is a very important work that looks at the conditions, the realities in Syria during the mass protests against structural injustice, against the um, mass imprisonment of people who joined the protests for freedom of expression, for economic justice in Syria, and also against the forced disappearances um, and the deadly violence that was um, imposed on popular protest movements and people across Syria. Um, Thank you so much to Rami for taking the time to speak about your film. Um, Our memory belongs to us. I'd really encourage people to look it up and also to look up the work of La Série Vous Regarde, Syria Sees You. It's an annual screening series of contemporary Syrian cinema presented by the Regarde Syrien Collective in collaboration with the Cinémathèque Québécois here in Montreal. And their program uh, is taking place in June 2022. Thank you so much to Farah, Vivian, and Mary Ellen for helping facilitate this interview on Free City Radio. Um, And uh, thank you again to Rami for being on the program. This has been another edition of Free City Radio. We um, broadcast weekly. Uh, We broadcast on CKUT 90.3 FM in Montreal at 11 a.m. on Wednesdays on CGLO 1690 a.m. in Montreal at one o'clock on Tuesdays and on CKUW at 8 a.m. on Tuesday mornings in Winnipeg, Treaty One Territory, 95.9 FM and in Kingston, Ontario on CFRC 101.9 FM. Uh, That is on Wednesdays at 11.30 a.m. in Kingston, Ontario. We are available through Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Just look us up. Um, you can find this weekly program. I'm your host, Stefan Christoph. Please look up our archives on soundcloud.com slash freecityradio. I will go out with some music from Chayam Alami, who's a really awesome artist based in London um, of the Iraqi diaspora. Uh, beautiful music. I'll go to some works by Chayam Alami here on Free City Radio, and I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.
Thank you.